find you. that knows me, the one that I know, 
Oh, we come to you this morning, Lord, to give you glory and honor and praise. We come here this morning to honor your resurrection, Lord. We set aside this time to, to lift you up, Lord, and say thank you for all you've been to us. Lord, not just the last few days, not just the last week, Lord, but you've been there every second of our life, walking right beside us, protecting us, keeping us alive, keeping us sane, keeping us whole. What a mighty God you are, Lord. Your arm's never too short. You don't get distracted. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't get frustrated and walk away. Lord, we praise you for such divine mercy this morning. We thank you, Lord, for inhabiting our praise, for coming amongst us in the worship service as we pour our sacrifice, our cup of praise out on your feet. I pray that it's pleased you this morning, Lord, by the atmosphere in the room. I'd say it's pleased you, Lord. We're so glad for that. We pray, Lord, now as we change the ministering of your word that you would sweep in the room, Lord, in a little bit different fashion now, Lord, and start to take these words and, and quicken them to our hearts. Let every single word, you would take that word and unzip it, unpackage it, reveal more and more to our lives and our spirits and our souls, Lord, so that we might be made more in thy divine image and be drawn closer to you. We worship you. We give you all that we are, and we love you so much. Have your way here today. Bless our brothers and sisters. Lord, as I stand here thinking about them, bless Brother Stephen and Sister Nina. Touch them, Lord. Move on their behalf, Lord. In your precious, lovely name, amen. <clears throat> amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Still serving a mighty God? Amen. How could you not love him? How could you not love him? We're gonna our, our title today is why you're standing is the changing of our atoms. The changing of our atoms. Now I want to start just while you're standing and read two verses. <coughs> excuse me, in Romans chapter twelve. Romans chapter 12. I believe that this Bible, though written by so many, 40 different men, by 40 different hands, as far as being transcribed, I believe it has one composer. I believe it has one designer. I believe it has one architect. And I'll prove that to you today very clearly as we move back and forth through the Scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Are we all there? I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, if someone starts a conversation with you, now we understand that these were uh, the, the chapters, the verses, they was put to it later. It was originally written as a letter. But when someone comes to you to entreat you, to come up to you, hey, I, I want to talk to you just a minute. And I'm not just going to casually or lackadaisical kind of, you just kicking around. No, I beseech you, therefore. Listen to what I got to say. I'm not here to tell you a joke. I'm not here to play with you. I'm going to tell you something that will save your life and change your body. Amen. We're, not talking, we're not reading from a newspaper this morning. We're not reading from a comic book. We're not reading from some history book. We're reading from a living word. Amen. A living word. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, which is the least you can do, the very least you can do. And be not conformed to this world, 
But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. If you feel like you need to turn the temp down, that's okay by me. If you don't, everybody else is okay. I can roll up my sleeves. I don't mind. Um, today's our second Sunday. What's that make it? One, two, three, four, fifth service in this building since it's, we've claimed it. It may be not legally as ours yet. That might happen by the end of the month when they get all the, all the legal technicalities of splitting the two properties and all that stuff. So not on the ink as far as paper yet, but it's still ours. Amen. I believe that. Do you believe that? And we've already got our name out front. Nobody's contesting that. Nobody's out here to argue or tro- protest or, or kick a fuss or anything like that. So I, I want to say thank the Lord. I want to say, we all know here what God has done. I want to say thank the Lord. Now, as we just kind of just take this pause from our scripture and our, our, our sermon just a minute, I want to just to share a few things with you. Um, obviously, we know that you know, we've taken and we've had the opportunity to come in here before. We're supposed to only take it Sunday. They let us have it Wednesday by the grace of God. And we kind of tenderly, I say tenderly, timidly jumped in ahead and painted before our first official day. And we were to paint the sanctuary and I think it looks a little bit better. We were able yesterday to paint the alcove. It looks a lot better. Just the, just the freshening things up. And this is just a, basic, just a basic thing that we've done. We've got a lot more intentions for the building. Obviously, we know that um, the Methodist Church is providing the funds to repaint and re-roof um, you know, these two buildings here for sure. Um, but I, I, they, and you all know the story about that. They didn't know of any of the contractors. They asked me to take over that. They didn't mind if, if we were even some of the ones that did it for them. So you understand how all that worked out. Uh, just to kind of tell you everybody where we're at, <clears throat> my goal, and, I, and I'm glad it didn't work out that they painted before we took the building. And here's the reason why I say that. The outside siding can be patched and prepped. God bless you. It, it can be uh, patched up just good enough to hold paint but my goal my desire is to go through and rip the old siding off and put all new siding on before we paint it needs it badly um, we need new windows honestly these windows leak pretty bad in the summertime and the wintertime so we'll, we'll see as the lord allows that but the first goal um, is what i'm trying to there's, there's a lot of things that we want to do here but the, the biggest goal is going to be getting bathrooms in this building here now, it's been a blessing that it's not been raining in all of our services we've had here. Amen. You know, you notice that right between, right at the time of service, there's not been any rain. That way we can walk back and forth dry. That's a blessing. Amen. You think God just coincidentally let that happen? That it's not snowstorming and blizzarding out there when we've got to walk over to use the restrooms and back and forth? I say that's grace. You know, this is January, what, 8th? This is January 8th. And, and we got a lot of good winners in Kansas sometimes. I feel like that's the blessing of the Lord. But it, it's still our desire to, my, my goal, if the Lord will allow, if, if whatever, how he'll work that out, is to pull that front lobby off, take that whole thing off, and go from corner to corner, uh, at least that depth, maybe a little bit more toward the street, whatever that'll allow. That'll be able to pick up a men's bathroom and a women's bathroom. It'll be able to pick up a nursery and... Um, something over there we're not sure we want to keep the sound booth equipment in this room so we're not sure if that'll be a little library a little prayer room we, we don't know sure what but that's that's the kind of the goal and the plan um <coughs> now that's going to cost uh, i figured it up here recently 
I can't remember exactly what I come up to. I think it was like 12,000, 13,000. And, and that's depending on um, if they make us get an architect to get stamp blueprints. If we were to stay in the residential light commercial side, then we don't have to have an architect. I can literally draw down a napkin, take it to them. They say, okay, it's good enough. We'll inspect it as you go. If they throw it as full commercial, being that so many people come in and out of it, then we'd have to have an architect, stamp prints, engineer drawings, all that and things, and, and that'd be a minimum of five grand by itself, bare minimum. So we'll see what the Lord allows. Uh, so that's, that's the goal there, and when we do that, I, I'm praying that we can do that before summer. Obviously, the air conditioner doesn't work, so we need a new air conditioner. That's kind of not in that cost. That's a little bit more there as well. But that's kind of my goal as we proceed forward like that because we'll need to do that. We can incorporate all that as we do that addition there. Uh, my other goal is to you know rework this room as we come to it. I'd like to add on that way a little bit more um, to uh, just so everybody knows to potentially gain another 12 foot for the, the platform and the pews would just come this way, add more seating, maybe pick up a couple offices, but we'll see what the Lord allows. That might not work out, but let's just kind of tell everybody you know, he said, forget to communicate not. So I'm trying to communicate what's on my heart. That way that I don't get to talk to you, everyone on services. Everybody's got things going on. So that way you at least know what's my, what my burden is and what's, what the Lord has worked on for me. So just while we're in that same thing, before we go back and change the service back to the ministry, um, <clears throat> just kind of snooping around. And we've got a couple of the, um, the former members of the Methodist Church that have joined our Facebook group, so I apologize if this offends you, but kind of snooping around the filing cabinet they had over there just uh, this week as we were doing some cleaning and thing. And just as you open it up, they have, I found a, um, they, they had in 1983, and this will, this will impress you. In 1983, they had an architect, the current pastor at that time had an architect come out and in basically assess and examine the building. Apparently, it was in such bad disarray that the architect says it's not worth fixing. He said it's so bad, he said it's going to cost too much to fix. It's not even worth fixing unless it's some kind of sentimental value. It's what his report says. Unless it's some kind, it's not worth fixing. So in my guess, I would think that's where they went in and they put the concrete foundation in. And instead of being on piers, they probably put the windows in. They put the sheetrock over the plaster. I imagine behind that sheetrock, the plaster's cracked up real good. So they probably would have come in and leveled everything up. But even in 1983, that much longer ago, it was that bad. But God preserved it. And you think about, you know, what's happened to us in the last few months, what God has provided for and what a miracle it is. But it didn't just happen when, that, when David McBee walked in that last Sunday there in August. And so that didn't just happen. And God's been planning this for a long time. God's been preserving this for a long time. And, and I'll tell you again, look where each one of us are, where God has moved us from all over the world just to be here right now this morning. This is not a coincidence. This is supernaturally, divinely ordained. I believe that with all my heart. Now, what's the purpose behind it? What's the purpose behind it? If you believe that, I, I trust that you'll get behind this with all that's in your heart, with all that's in you. Support it with all you can. Spend all the time you can in prayer. Love each other. Love the building. Not, not, we're not you know, just focused on a building. We're thankful for the building, but we love each other. We're thankful for the building. We appreciate what God's going to do here. Now, um, don't forget this next weekend, um, Saturday night at 5 p.m., Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Brother Andrew Glover will be here ministering for us, so be some special services. Just a Saturday night and Sunday morning, we'll, of course, have a meal after both services at the Fellowship Hall. So remember, Saturday night at 5, Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and you know, Brother Andrew Glover will be ministering for us. But, but keep, keep those meetings in prayer. Brother Ram said, if you want the best way to hinder any service 
You believe he was a prophet of God? He said the best way to hinder any service is to not pray for him. If you don't, if you don't want that service to be successful, then don't pray for him. <clears throat> okay, praise the Lord. Back to our, back to our sermon. Now, as the Lord has been doing this in my heart, and we can look back at a lot of the different sermons that's on the Facebook page and, and see what God has brought us through, all the different, different, uh, different um, portions, topics, titles, sermons, areas, fabrics, realities, to see where we're at right now. We believe, I believe, and I'm sure you believe with me as well, that the end goal for the bride of Jesus Christ is a complete translation from this dimension to that. I believe that that is the purpose of God to create a wife, to train her, to make her in such a way that he can use her and, and do his will and do his purpose so that she would emit, shine, and portray all of his attributes. And then when he's done, she's gone. Now, um, you, you know, if you, we don't have, and I don't know how much time the Lord would take with this. I'm, I'm, I have a feeling this would go several services. But... It, it, there's so much there, there's literally so much and it truly spans an eon an, an absolute eon if you walk through revelations 12 and and you see what god did there with that woman with that 12 tribes of judah with with all the types just in there and then it jumps to the war in heaven then it jumps back to the woman you jumps how you have in titus's day and then you jumps back to the war in heaven then it comes back up the time of the tribulation and it, you, you got to stay with it otherwise you get lost real quick but even in that it shows you so much before there was ever a a livable breathable planet you had the war in heaven you have genesis 1 1 period then you had genesis 1 2 you know, but the prophet told you that could have been a million years between genesis 1 1 to genesis 1 2 <clears throat> i believe that's when the war in heaven happened uh, the scripture talks a lot about how satan got kicked out how he fell upon this earth that he walked upon this planet when it was a burning rock of lava lava scripture teaches this he was kicked out. Revelations, to, sorry, Luke ten eighteen. Jesus said, I beheld him kicked out. I beheld Satan fall to the earth as lightning. You know, you break that down a minute. I beheld Satan fall to the earth as lightning. That doesn't seem like, oh, I'm going. No, it seemed like he was knocked out thorough. It really made him move, made him, you know, hurry up and get going. Really did a good job. Amen. See, with all that you look at, with all the, if you, if, you, you were to, if you were to trust the media, if you were to trust uh, everything that pops up in your, in your Google Cast and your Chrome and, and all the, the, the media, the, the, the news outlets and all these things that, that keep putting out and keep putting out, if you trusted just what popped up on your news feed alone, if you actually trusted and believed that, it would wreck your whole day. And you can't trust it. You'll go from article to article. They contradict. They contradict. They contradict. No, this is a perfect 100% scientific fact. You go to the next one. It contradicts that. This was a perfect one. You can't find nothing there that, that's any kind of proof, nothing that runs consistent. But what you do see is a deceiver trying to keep you so twisted up and shaken back and forth. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to believe. I don't know where to look for truth. I don't know where to look for light. I don't know what to do. That's the deceiver. That's the deformer. The prophet talked about God's power to transform and Satan's power to deform. Satan being a perverter of things that are good. That's Satan's plan. That's Satan's will. That's the, the trinity of Satan is what Satan wants to do, to steal, kill, and destroy. To take anything that's good, anything that's light, make it dark, anything that's life, make it death, and just twist and pervert to where you have no faith in anything. But the bride of this day will have the most faith ever inhabited in the human body. 
You better believe me with all your heart this morning. The bride of this day will have the most faith. How else are you going to take a body change? The prophet told you if you can't even get healed from a headache, how are you expected to take a body change? Now, don't let that beat you up because you are a bride of Christ. You are a son and daughter of God. So you, you take that heart. You take that at trust. Now, you've got an enemy that's coming at you, get you. He's trying to distract, discourage, and tell you. Like, like Matt said the other day, if you pray too much, well, now you pray too much. Now, if you don't pray much, now you ain't praying. It's just backwards and forwards. There's, there's no give. It's, it's this. You ain't doing this enough. You ain't doing that enough. And it's just nonstop not garbage. But you are a son and daughter of God. There's nothing he can do to change that. Nothing he can do to change that absolutely so you check that box Hebrews 4 I'm going to rest in it I'm going to rest in that there's nothing my enemy can do that can make me a lesser son or daughter of God there's nothing my enemy can do to take my name out of that Lamb's book of life nothing he can do okay we've established a baseline now We've established how Satan, the perverter, the deformer, the liar, the con man, the stealer, the killer, the destroyer, all those things. And you know what he can do, and you also know what he cannot do. We was listening to, as we were doing some work here yesterday, Brother Matt was playing a sermon of Brother Burley Williams. And it was back, I think, seven months ago. But, but he was talking about, and, and I never thought about that. You find in Job 1, Son of God, the sons of God came together. They, you know, they, they come together, Lord, and, and Satan, Lucifer, comes around as well. You, you remember the story. He comes up there, and God, who is infinite, who is all wisdom, who is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, he fills all time and space. He knows everything. Come on now. He know, you believe God knows, Elohim knows everything. Okay, I'm just trying to keep a check. I want to make sure. I don't know what all you believe. I don't know what you're struggling with. So if you'll say amen, I'll say you're on the same page, on the same page. We'll keep moving. I, I'm going to move as deliberately through this as possibly I can. I, I can't say I'll move slowly because I get excited and I tend to talk fast. But I, I promise you I'll move as deliberately as through this as I possibly can. Now Satan, come up to him and God... See, Satan loves to attack your reasoning. Satan loves to attack your mind. He loves to get into your memory. He loves to wear out those senses of your spirit. That's where they fall. The five senses of the body, five senses of the spirit. He loves to wear those out. Remember that. Keep that in mind. That Satan loves to do that to you. Anybody ever had him do that to you? He come at your mind. That's where the greatest battle run ever falls. You, you admit that. Everybody understands that. So think about this. In Job 1, he comes up there and God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God went after his reasonings just to tempt him and make him do what he wanted to do. God did that to your, you know, the, the, I can't remember the exact scripture, but it says he took all those things and he made an open show of them. He made a public show. He so whooped him, so defeated, so smeared him that he made an open show. It wasn't done in secret. He triumphed over all the powers of hell. All the powers of hell. Now, and I'm saying this broadly, and I'm saying this pointedly, to be a, for you as an overcomer, you as a fighter, as a believer of this word, that's learned how to defend yourself against every wild of the enemy, every attack, every overcoming flood that comes against you, that you can take that and say, I believe that because he gave it to me. 
Come on. I believe that he put all things under his feet and then he give it to me. That's what he said. This ain't me. This is what he said. So, again, a baseline. If this is true. We're on the same page. If this is true. So, you, you get into uh, the, the, the struggle of a, of, a, of, a, of a person's life. I was thinking about that earlier. We, we always want to, uh, to make one thing hard for God and one thing small for God. You realize that we like to quantify and try to take the creator and crown him in any kind of box our pitiful mind can work in. We try to take him and say, well, you know, maybe don't have time to heal me of a headache or a toe ache or something you consider real simple. But, but if we go something, if we jump to the, what we consider the furthest extreme of an extreme cancer or, or something like that, and we say, well, maybe he'd work somewhere in between. But none of those are anything to God. Neither one, growing new limbs, new sight, no matter what it is from here to the floor, is nothing to the creator. Nothing. All of hell knows that. All of hell. Your enemy knows that. He comes at you and tells you this. You've got a headache. Yeah, I put that headache on you. Yeah, sure, but, but it's too small of a thing to ask God to heal. Why would you waste his time? Okay, now I put this in you. I put this in you. I put this in you. Well, I guess you can ask him, but he ain't going to do it for you. But all of hell, all powers are subject unto him, and he gives to you. Now, you think about this creator that made the sun, the stars, the moon, the earth, everything that there is. Which do you think is harder, to keep that sun moving or to get you to surrender and submit your life to him? Which do you think is harder? I think the sun's still spinning. So apparently that's easy to him. But to get us to surrender and submit to him is harder than that. But we just talked about he can, but you find your enemy there. Working on your mind, working as a warfare coming against you. See, we shared that here recently that you were actually created to serve the Lord. You were created to express the attribute, the purpose, the mystery of Christ in your body. You were. We, we covered that recently about your 12 ribs, about the four valves of your heart, and that you were created that him to sit right there. Now, you think about any one of us, I'm sure, think about you've ever either seen a service or heard of a service, excuse me, that you would have thought that someone, if they took off shouting or jumping or running or dancing, that you might have been the first thing that come to your mind. You might have thought, that's just faking that's an impersonation. That just kind of fabricates something. Anybody, I, I'm, okay, I'm guilty of that. I am guilty of that. Whether they were or they're not, my first knee-jerk reaction was that. My first knee-jerk reaction. Now, I, I'm not going to use the scripture yet as a baseline to prove that point. I, I want to tell you this right here, that you were created to run, jump, shout, scream, praise, prophesy, tongue, shout, and all these things for him. You were not created to jump up and down in a football game, a basketball game, a baseball game, a play or opera. You were not created to do that. That is when you're being an impersonator. You're impersonating an unbeliever when you do that. You're impersonating. 
But when you're in the house, when you're anywhere, it ain't got to just be the house floor, but when you're shouting praise to him, when you're running, jumping, all these things on down, you're doing what you were created to do. You believe me? That's, now you're doing what you're created to do because you're not of this world. Now, if you're going to tell me I am of this world, then that's a different conversation that will pull you from that equation. And, and no hard feelings. I don't, I don't have no hard feelings What's that. So I, I don't mean to be too hard on that. I'm trying to make a point. That you were created to give all that you have to God. And anything else, that's the impersonation. If you were a smoker, a drinker, if you looked at pornography, if you cheated on your wife or your husband, if you lied, if you stole, if you murdered, that's an impersonation. That's a make-believer. You're trying to make-believe that you're of this world. That you're trying to make-believe that you belong in the lake of fire. You're trying to make-believe that that little hell and that enlargement of hell was done for you. You're trying to make-believe that you belong to that. You don't belong to that if you've been born of that kingdom. You belong of that kingdom, and that kingdom is nothing but light. It's nothing but life, and it's nothing but an expression, an attribute to give all that you have for him. This is nothing but the truth. So watch yourself. I have to watch myself. I'll see something and my first thought is, was that real? Was that? It doesn't matter. You look at children. A, children want, a child wants to do anything their mom or dad is doing. Because that's what we learn by example. Uh, Solomon would say, you, rate, you train up a child the way they should go. You train a child. A man, a wife, is to take their children. This is what the scripture teaches. This is what the scripture teaches. But daddy, mama, my church, my this, my neighbor, my invite, if it's contrary to this, no, 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 you come back to right here. This is what the scripture teaches. Nothing else matters. It must line up right here. Nothing else matters. It does not matter. And if you train up a child, the scripture says, Solomon, the second wisest person ever lived, said if you train up a child the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart. Is the scripture true or not? So if you've done that as a father or mother, you can step back and say, I've done my job. And I've committed it to him. You know, the reason why we take children, we don't, we don't sprinkle children at birth. We don't, get, we don't baptize babies. We don't do any of those things. I believe that that comes to the age of accountability, and that child must make a decision to accept the Lord Jesus Christ themselves. You cannot do that at Sadie's age. You cannot do that at Ella's age. You have to be at the age of accountability to say, I want him. That's not the same thing Solomon's talking about. Well, I sprinkled or I baptized. You understand? Uh, but as a child, we as Christian believers, we take and we gather our body believers together and we dedicate those children back to the Lord. That's what we do. As a dad, as a mom, we say, Lord, I, I thank you for giving this child to me. No different than Hannah and Elkanah with Samuel. They go back and say, Lord, you've given this child to us. We love you. We thank you. We love the child. Lord, my promise to you is that I'll give him back to you. I'll give the child back to you. And now, uh, you know they'll make it. You know they'll make it. The same one that's holding you will hold them. You, this is the truth. This is the scripture. So you're not an impersonator. You are the real deal. You are authentic. You are one of a kind. You are extraordinary. You are super normal or a super bride, a super race, nothing diluted, nothing deformed, nothing what Satan has tried to do with all that nonsense. We're talking about someone that can take a rapture, that can actually take a body change. Now, as we are studying in this area the changing of our atoms, 
We, we started in Romans 12 for a purpose. That and since you've been bought with a price, since you've been justified, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and the mighty burning fire, you got to have all three, mighty burning fire, and signs will follow, signs and wonders will follow. The Bible says, I follow a believer, that's thus saith the Lord. Can I trust that? It's thus saith the Lord. Of course you can trust. You can stake your eternal destination on it because it's thus saith the Lord. So as you've been bought with this price, Paul is telling you that you're to present yourself as a living sacrifice. I, I think it's in, um, is it Revelations? Goodness, brain is failing me. Where the Bible says that the bride hath made herself ready. And another place, the scripture says, he hath prepared in her. He hath prepared himself a bride without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle, without any such thing. He has done this because you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it in your flesh. You have to have him come inside and change everything that's in here. Now, the way that Satan, the deformer, does things, he always starts at the head and builds his way down. He always starts on the outside and tries to come in. God always starts on the inside God always starts at the foundation and builds upward Satan likes to build things that fall because he knows you think about this he knows it ain't got to last very long as we've done remodels and different things over the years we've had to do some temporary things to just kind of hold while we're doing in phases move over here we'll throw up some temporary walls we'll do different things like that that way because we know that this is going to be done away with and we're going to be going this way and it'll all be done right accordingly you wouldn't go on a temporary wall we wouldn't take the time to do a double top plate we wouldn't take the time to do a double header uh, you know low bearing header over the studs multiple jacks all those things that you would in a normal low bearing wall because you're low bearing as a bride of Christ you can guarantee you're load bearing so anything that Satan's done is not load bearing it will fall it always will fall so if you know that something's temporary why put the, the, the why go to the, uh, the, the, the expense why go to the labor to do all that time to make sure it won't fall he knows his end he knows that where he belongs he knows he will burn he knows this beyond a shadow of a doubt you cannot convince him it won't happen all he can do is delay it. That's what he's tried to do, is delay it. But then again, you can't delay God. Does he have it in control or not? So your enemy would want you to say that you must, uh, you, you must do these things. You must do this. You must build yourself this way. Build yourself this way. Build yourself this way. Put this on. Put this on. And it will always be exactly contrary. Uh, you have all the different substitutions that's been allowed through religion in the last Name and amount of years. They went from justification, sanctification, fill the mighty, the Holy Ghost, mighty burning fire to just come up front, shake the preacher's hand, and now you've got it. Put your name on our membership book. Now you got it. Do this. Now you got it. They've got even the Pentecost that said, if you speak in tongues, now you got it. Speaking in tongues is not proof of the Holy Ghost. The scripture is against that. The scripture says you must be walking in the present truth of the day. Now, the speaking of tongues is 1 Corinthians 12. 12. It is a gift of the body, and it is a part of the body. It is one of those gifts that God gives you, whether it be in worship, just one person, whether it's God speaking through tongues and interpretation. It is a moving of the Lord for that assembly, for that body. It's for uh, for your edification, for your encouragement, for your walking away. So I, I know the Lord was here today. I, I was going to leave here and go this way and go that way, and he said, don't go that way. There's a wreck happening to go this way. 
He knows the end from the beginning. God has it all in control. But you must surrender and submit these things to be able to hear him when he speaks. So that's not the proof of the Holy Ghost just speaking in tongues, which a lot of them will say, just let your lips loose and just start babbling. And, and as long as it's a, a tongue that you don't personally know, then you've got the Holy Ghost. That is not proof of the Holy Ghost. That's not proof of the Holy Ghost. Now, with the Holy Ghost, you probably will speak in tongues. I'm not disputing that. But the Holy Ghost changes everything from the inside out. Now, he's not trying to come along and uh, give you a good haircut, not trying to you know, give you some liposuction, trying to build up your muscles. That's not what the Holy Ghost does. Holy Ghost strays like a scalpel straight to the heart of the matter. It starts in there, and it fixes the inside and starts working toward the outside. So once that Holy Ghost has come in, you don't have to stand up before your congregation. Please don't rob nobody this week. Please don't murder no one this week. Please don't run, run over nobody in your car. Please don't cheat on your wives. Please don't look at pornography. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. You don't have to say that. The Holy Ghost reigns supreme. If a person does slip and fall, they go make it right because the Holy Ghost reigns supreme. And that conviction in your heart, but nobody saw me do it. He always sees. There's no hiding anything from him, and it's not okay. It is a foul, unclean spirit out of hell that would make you do that. But God delivers because the Holy Ghost reigns supreme. Nothing but the truth. So as you present yourself this way, now all the substitutions, as I said, that's been allowed to be given, that would say, you do this, you've got it. You do this, you've got it. You do this, you've got it. You're not required in those substitutions to have fruits following. You're not required. You're a member, you've got your name on our book, so you're good to go. Go do what you got to do. No, this says living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Now, the proof of the Holy Ghost brings this fruit to your life. It brings this fruit. So if, if someone was to come to me needing counseling and, and, and having something they're needing, that they're struggling with, and they say they've served the Lord, they say they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but you know they're messed up in all these other things, you, you can easily to look at the bad fruit and say, something's not quite right. Something's got to get fixed before this can go further. Whether it's confession, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be, something's got to be, uh, Satan, the prophet taught us, once Satan is exposed, he has no more hold over you. Once that demon, Lucifer and any of the angels that fell, is exposed, they have no more hold over you. So if you're walking with the Lord and you come into a little hiccup, a little burr, something that you're struggling in and you're walking with the Lord and you're thinking, how did this happen? Where did this come up? The Bible says to walk circumspectly, to examine yourselves. The first thing a believer is going to do, uh, just like Joshua. Joshua has been given a commission. Go take the land. They step out to that one city. 16 men fell and died. Joshua's like, stop everything. Now, every man examine yourself. What did you do? What mistake did you make? If you made a mistake, let's make it right. Make it right. Completely make it right. I've seen years over the years people try to, well, I made it right with this person. Well, you know, I had a guy here a long time ago that had all these complaints, and I watched him walk up to another person and say, hey, if I've ever done anything to offend you, please forgive me. And the other guy's like, I don't know of anything. He didn't know what the other guy done told, all me, told me about what he's against the other guy. See, you got to make it right. You got to, you got to look, I've been struggling with this. You did this. I, I need to make this right. Let's walk through every little, I'm not trying to hash up old things, but I want to make sure every single thing is under the blood. Every single thing is pulled out of the darkness and put into the light. Then once that's done, it has no more hold over you. 
Again, no, this is a living sacrifice. It's hard. It, the prophet said it will rip the hide right off of you. It'll rip the hide right off of you. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Presenting as a living sacrifice, and it's the least you can do. As a sold-out, blood-bought believer, it's the very least that you can do. Anybody agree with that? Okay, we're still moving forward. So as God, his purpose, in his purpose of God, uh, I can't remember, I think it's out of Christ, the mystery of God revealed. The Ram makes that statement. He's the purpose of God. His purpose was to share his eternal life with man. His purpose to share his eternal life with man. Not to be immortal. There's a difference between immortal and eternal. To be immortal, you have a time you started, you have a time you'll end. Whether that's 150 years or 20,000 years, you have a beginning, you have an ending. The difference between everlasting, and that's, what, that's where you find everlasting. Everlasting would be immortal. Everlasting and immortal. Everlasting has a beginning, has an end. If you look in the King James translation a couple times, they should have used the word eternal versus everlasting. There's a difference because in some places, I came, again, I'll stop because I'm running off my memory on that, but the eternal life, the eternal Zoe, and if you were to just back it all up, just jump out of this room right now in 2023 and just kind of rewind everything back as far as your imagination will let you go before there was literally anything. Is it say a hundred million years ago? Let's say a trillion years ago, whatever time, because there was no time then. Time was invented to have a place to put you in. So this is before time. So however you might would measure that, I have no clue. So you go way back then and you find the 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 great I am, the I am that I am, the one that spoke the worlds in existence, and you find him there, and you and you you start to if you walk up and ask a question. What is, you know, I've come from a certain amount of time. This is my walk with you. You know what I've struggled with. You know my sins. You know my iniquities. You know all the times I fell flat on my face. But I want to ask you a question, Lord, before then, way back before then, as far back as you can go, what is your purpose for my life? This is something that mankind has struggled with as far back in his. What is the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? So if you were to jump back and find, Lord, what is the purpose of life? Am I an accident? Am I a coincidence? Am I just something by happenstance just kind of was born to this person, born to that person? We lived here. We moved there. All these things. He would tell you way back then that I'm thinking of you as we speak. Before the foundation of the world, you were my choice, you were my pick, you were my reason. That's beautiful. So, take that. We've raised our baseline up. Now we're at that point right there. All the way back there. All the way, all the way back. As far as your imagination, as far as your understanding can perhaps grasp that. So now let's start working forward. You have Genesis 1-1. You have Genesis 1-2. You have the creation of Adam. You have the creation of Eve. So before Eve was separated from Adam's side, before she was moved out, before Adam ever got lonely, before Adam named every living creature, before that, Adam, uh, he, he had a Bible himself. He had the Zodiac. He was able to read the Zodiac. Everything was in its place. Nothing was out of its place. The Bible teaches you about that astronomy, not astrology, not astrology, astronomy. 
These are the same study that the Magi left Babylon or wherever they were at, and they come to the birth of Jesus there in uh, Bethlehem. The same following of those stars, the same mapping, the same accuracy, and, and we don't have this anymore, but for thousands of years, uh, uh, shipfarers, uh, shipmen, uh, sailors, they would use it just to be able to plot their course. They would line up wherever they're at, they'd pick a couple stars, and they would so many degrees off center, and that's where we're going. When you're dealing with an a vast ocean that you ain't seen de- land in not just days but weeks and weeks and weeks you need a way to not do this i showed up on a on a 40-day sailboat uh, on a 40-day ride i showed up a thousand years later i just you know just back and forth back and forth, back and forth so they would use it and that's why they had access but adam had the capacity to read it now i don't know very much well that's not my bible that's not my Bible. So that, that's not anything that I know very much about. I know just very, very little bit about, but not enough. to, not enough. So that was what Adam read. Now, as you, as you kind of fast forward through the fall, through the temptation, through the, uh, through the sin, through the, you know, all that was done, what brought the sin curse, the curse upon the human race. And you keep walking that forward. And you see with Cain and Abel, you keep walking down to Seth and keep coming through all those lineages. And you come all the way from Seth all the way down to Enoch. Now, we're going to stop at Enoch right there just a minute because Enoch was the very first rapture, the first person that you can ever point to and say that man had every single one of his atoms changed. Every single one of his atoms changed. Now, we'll pause right there just a minute. You know what divine healing is? It's a change of your atoms. See, uh, you, you have breakdowns in your body. You have a body for life. You have a human body that's built a certain way. And until death sets in, uh, there's nothing wrong. Now, there's different children that are born a certain way, and that's because perverted death has got in there. Satan's tried to kill that child. You understand all that thing, but that's still, that's the negative, that's the darkness, that's the enemy trying to do those things. But you were meant to be a healthy, well person. So as you get older, and as different things come, and you have, your body starts breaking down, the prophet would say like this, you're designed, every human is designed from birth to 18 to 20 to grow. You're all eating the same food. You're eating, you know, you start out drinking milk as a child, uh, just a simple base liquid. You're pulling your nutrients out of that, and that child is still growing, but that child still cannot eat meat yet or vegetables or anything soft. It has to have the milk for a certain period of time. You find your spiritual walk in all this too as well. You have to have that certain amount of milk, and then you get a little bit older. Now you can start eating crushed vegetables and keep walking up and walking up until you're finally full grown full grown and in that you've eaten all this food up to your full grown up to a certain point and now the same food you've eaten from then till now you're not getting younger you're not getting bigger you're starting to break down and you start to die what changed what changed something in your body has changed now as you get older as you get different uh illnesses different accidents different things that break an arm break a leg break you know whatever it might be some kind of cancer whatever it might be anything under the sun that is uh, that's something that that darkness has tried to deform the creation of god in your body that is not what god wants for you he does not want that for you now if you could latch your faith on right now to what god wants for me What God wants for me is to be well, is to be whole, is to be healthy and in my sound and right mind. That's what God wants for me. That's what God has always wanted for me. 
And that's the goal. That's what we're pushing for. But much further and far beyond that. So in that, your body starts to break down on a molecular genetic level so that you can eventually die. You understand? This is basic biology. As you're going, you're growing older, you're eating, you can sustain, you can sustain, you get about 70, 75 or days, you start going downhill really quickly, and then you've, you've got the time amount allotted for man to live. You know, everybody knows the scripture on that. So you understand that when divine healing, your body is broken down, your body has had cancer or a broken bone or any of those things that set in and death is now on you in the physical form. That for divine healing to shine in there on that, it has to rework those molecules from the deformation to a transformation to pull it back what he originally wanted you to be. So that even divine healing, whether it be a headache, a toe, a cancer, or anything, it is a changing of your atoms. It's a changing of your body. It's a foretaste it's a taste of that inheritance it's a taste of that you're sealed unto the day of your redemption that redemption is a complete body change you receive the baptism of the holy ghost as a seal as a down payment as an inheritor you're an inheritor to the day of your redemption when you get complete inheritance of your new body body soul spirit you have your body your theophany your your glorified body all those things are put together and now you're perfect to what he saw Completely perfect. Again, that's our end goal. That's what we're working toward. But I'm trying to give you little glimpses of when God has supernaturally stepped in and tweaked things in your body, made you whole, and the enemy that had done them to you said, that's no big deal. Eh, deal. Oh, it's a big deal. Supernatural is always a big deal. See, doctors will tell you, we've been studying the body for a long, long time. Doctors will tell you, they have, they've got different books on it for hundreds of years. They've been studying. They know all they can from their studying, but there's still so many things they can't explain. They can't explain. That's where the supernatural lives. That's where God lives in that he can do what no one else can explain. And if you're stuck on the saying, well, if I can't explain it, it can't be true, that's a sad place to be. But even in divine healing, that is a transforming a transforming of what he wants for you to be. Now, Bethany and I was talking about this last night. You think about, again, before the foundation of the world, because the thoughts of God are eternal. Amen? Thoughts of God are eternal. So whatever he wanted for you back then is still just as good today. It don't wear out. It don't get used up. It don't get, ah, oh, I changed my mind. You know, it didn't work out. It didn't work out. No, no, this is what he's always wanted for you, his eternal thoughts in his mind about you. So as God, in his mind, prophesies, same thing as prophesies, however, however that looks like in his mind. I say prophesy because the only way I can think to describe it. And when it's breathed upon a man's ear and it comes out of his lips, you hear a prophecy this way. But it's still God's mind. You, know, you think about all the things that he said about you personally, personally, that most of your life, you would have never believed it. You would have probably disagreed with him. Does it make it any less true? You think about times where you couldn't get free from something. That whether it be some sin or some, some still sin that's so easy to beset you, you couldn't get free from it, couldn't get free from it, couldn't get free from it. You couldn't overcome it, and you couldn't get strong enough to beat it, and you just kept getting stuck in the mud and your mire and your filth and all those things. And you, Lord, I don't, I don't know how, God, that I could ever look unblameable and unreprovable in your sight. It's not possible. But this is what he said about you. He said that about you, that you 
are unblameable and unreprovable in my sight. That prophecy will come to pass in your life. He will make you that. He will make you that. In your own flesh, you're going to slip and fall down all the time. But if you let him take control, he will clean everything up. You will be a living sacrifice. <clears throat> so, let's jump back on Enoch. Enoch was our first rapture of the Old Testament. And the very few things that we have about Enoch, uh, you've got about five places in Scripture that talks about him. Four, four or five places in Scripture that even talks about him. And it's not very much even to begin with. The very first rapture of existence where one person, male or female, left this plane and stayed in that plane. Very first one. And the amount of words you can put in my hand. You can click them out and put them in my hand. Not a lot of detail there. Not a lot of detail. But you've got different historical accounts of what he did. Now, the scripture that you find there, that, Abraham, that Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for he had this testimony that he believed God. No, sorry, Abraham. That he walked with God, and um, he had faith, and it pleased God, and God took him, and he was not, for God took him. He was not, sorry, I mixed it up. And he was not, for God took him, but his testimony pleased God. He had faith in God, and he pleased God. So, as a believer... We're right here at 12, uh, Romans 12, 1. That, that as to a believer, for me to be a living sacrifice, if that's my type, I'm to look like Enoch, that I'm to please God. Now, I can point at things in my life that I can promise you do not please God, that I am still trying to surrender to the Lord. I'm still trying to sacrifice to him, Lord. I struggle here. I struggle here. I struggle here, Lord. I need help overcoming this till I will be perfect and be changed from this body. There's not one perfect person in this room. The way I can promise you that is you're still sitting in this room. So we're all working toward this. We're a body of believers. We love one another. We pray for one another. We bear one another's burdens. We bear one another's burdens in this assembly. We pray for, we love each other. That's what we do here. So it's wanting to please God. This is not a condescending thing, but you want to please God. You want to live for God. You want to serve the Lord. And if you look at our type of Enoch, um, you have different things that's been told about him. Uh, we've lost a lot of history, obviously, because there was, you know, believe it or not, a cataclysmic world-ending event that wiped out a lot of history books and things like that. So outside of prophecy and outside of a prophet to telling you what he did, and then you can point to go back to some of the things that he did and examine that, you really don't know very much about him. So we do have a prophet that said the pyramid that's there in Egypt, built on the Giza Plain, the Giza Plain, that was built by Enoch. Now, it is the only one of its kind. That would be the second Bible in stone. The second Bible. First one was in the heavens. Second Bible's in stone. Again, not our Bible. We have a different Bible. I'm walking you through God's purpose for your life. But you'll notice that not one of those things ever contradicts. Now, you've got to know where you come from. You've got to know where you're going. You've got to be able to line up a trajectory. You follow me? You've got to be able to line these things up. So as you can see, God's eternal purpose from before anything to where you're at right now, it helps you line up, wait a minute, I'm not an accident. I will make it because I come from there. I come from God, and I will go back to God. These are the words your husband said. And as he is, so are we. We come from God, and we go back to God. So we're just trying to lay some background foundation so you can get a real good firm grasp on what God's been doing these eons of time for you for your what, what his will is for your life so in that that pyramid of egypt don't have time to go on all the the technical dimensional specifics of such a thing there's a book that my uncle had had um, years ago it was written i think end of 1800s first 1900 something like that but um it read it about 22 24 years ago 
most of it. And then I didn't get it. I gave it back to him. He passed away. They all moved away. But uh, we found it on eBay or something like that recently. And Sister Erica actually bought it for me for Brother Matt. Sister Erica bought it for me for Christmas present. And it is a very in-depth study, uh, scripturally and uh, mathematically, of that building. Now, uh, just to kind of give you those, I've never been there. Anybody else ever been there? I've never been there. So it, you understand that, uh, again, just talking about the Bible and what God's purpose is, that this pyramid is it, it's five sides. It's not four sides. The pyramid's four, five sides, not four sides, and there's a reason why there's five and not four. Each triangle, as it stands up, the area of that, that area that stands up, you have a triangle here, a triangle here, you want to make it a pyramid, that the area of each triangle makes five acres. It's that big. Five acres. That's massive. So it roughly about the size of my property, maybe a little bit bigger, stood up on a triangle point. So the, the, is, and you, have, you have the four sides here, and then you have the bottom. You have the foundation. The foundation is very, 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 very deep. It's not just, let's dig down below the frost line, we'll plant something, we'll keep going. No, no, no. It's massive. Very, very massive. The, um, there's, there's a pillar that sits in the king's chamber that weighs the one pillar alone that holds the roof up. That one pillar, they estimate it weighing 84, 86 tons. One pillar. One. That's just one of the rocks. And you find this all through the scripture. You find that, that where God did that, that, that incremental specific design, you find it through Peter. You find it through Revelation. You find it, you find it in Jude everywhere. You're as lively stones. You're cut by the Lord. You're built to be the temple of God. You are his Bible now. You are his Bible now. You are to be written epistles, read and known of all men. You're lively stones. Your life must be cut and fit into the body of Christ. You can't walk over, well, I'm just this way. No, that's got to be shaved off. That's got to be squared up. That's got to be straightened up. If it's not be pleasing to him, it must be burned off to where you can lay perfectly where he wants you to fit. This is scripture. Now, as you find this time, now this has been chipped all to pieces. It had a, a white limestone, I think, over the whole thing. It was torn off by the Turks a um, hundred years ago, something like that, whatever it is. But it's, it's unbelievable. It's a pretty good, pretty good picture. <clears throat> they say the surveys say, and we're not talking about you know, family feud or like that, but as you look down a corner, if you're standing right on one square corner, I don't make my hands like so. If you're standing on one square corner and you're looking down that line or you're looking down that line, you expect to see a perfect straight line. You would think, perfect straight line. It does not. It tips in just so much on both sides. And the amount that it tips in from one corner to the other corner, the amount of degrees that it tips in breaks down to half the circumference of the earth. Exactly half the circumference of the earth it's and there's nothing like it there's the only thing that has stood for all these years there's nothing else that stood all these years that pyramid is that the right pyramid his has no cap his is flat on top and there's a reason why it wasn't capped because the capstone is here in this day the headstone crying grace grace unto you so, again, I'm just building a background, building a foundation. And so, in Enoch's pyramid, in Enoch's Bible that was built, and we'll get to that scripture here in a little bit. Um, you know what? Let's go ahead and turn down to that. Let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 15. 
Now, we'll read 11, then we'll jump down to chapter 19 as well, just a minute. But I want to read two verses right here for you, too, because uh, obviously this was built at the border of Egypt. This was built at the border of Egypt. So just keep that in mind. The pyramid was built at the border of Egypt. And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. Verse 15, chapter 11, verse 15, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 15. The Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea, and with his mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river and shall smite it in the seven streams and make men go over dry shod. Dry shod, so you know, is uh, no mud on your feet, no water in your boots. Walk over on dry ground. This is the book of Isaiah now that they shall walk over and make men, make men, make men. You, you understand that men are earth. Men are earth. There, there's so many different types and shadows here that ties, that once you start seeing a 16th of 1% of it, it's just going to blow your mind. And you see God everywhere you look. And, and I, I, I say this all the time because this is absolutely the truth. The prophet said in Christ's mystery of God revealed that since those seven seals were open, it made this Bible a new book to you. It made it a new book. So let me bring some of these things alive to you if you've not perhaps seen them before. Then he says that how make men go over dry shot. That's verse 15. Here's verse 16. And there shall be an highway. There shall be a highway for the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria like it, as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. A highway. Now, you're not Israel. You're not Egyptians. But you're on a highway. You're on a highway. You're never going to be described as, I'm on a low way. I'm going down. We're not going to waste places. No, your trajectory is straight home, straight up there. And it's a continual rising arc. It does not go straight up. It's a continual rising arc. You understand? It's a glory to glory, here by little, here little, there little, day by day changing. That there be a highway for the remnant of his people like as, uh, from Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. Now, that takes you right back to Exodus, and we'll get there in just a minute. Exodus 3 to work all of this as far as leaving, leaving the, uh, the, the land of Egypt. So he's typing this, this highway, just like the children of Israel leaving Egypt. 440 years in bondage, where we shared that reason, where they had no concern for their life whatsoever. If, if the taskmasters wanted to take you or your children and beat you to death or, or do terrible things for you, they're like, oh, well, another Hebrew died today. No big deal. Horrible conditions. Absolutely horrible. And that was a physical type. That pales in comparison to the spiritual type that's going on now in living in Satan's Eden. Absolutely pairs in comparison. So when I tell you, you better get your armor on, you better pull it up, buckle it tight. This ain't no joke. This ain't no lazy party. You better get to work. Just like as it came upon the land of Egypt. Now turn over to Isaiah chapter 19, verse 16. Isaiah 19, verse 16. Just a six, seven chapters over, eight chapters over. Um, Isaiah chapter 19, verse 16. In that day shall Egypt be like unto women. Egypt, which would be considered that most of its life, one of the most powerful nations upon the planet. Egypt would be considered like women. 
Now, different types going back and forth. But I, I want to take that right there just to pause in that scripture. In this book that I'm telling you about, it references, I think it's the Egyptian book of the dead. Now, they have history books that the Egyptians have of what happened in their history, whether it was written on the wall for some of their pyramids, whatever it was. And I, I don't know how accurate it is, but I'm going to tell you what they say. Their history book, their history book says. The Bible doesn't say this. This is what their history book says. They say that they were overtaken by a small group of shepherd kings in one night that exercised so much power and authority that they gave up without a fight. This is what their history says. That they would have been probably the greatest, most powerful nation on the planet. Physically speaking, soldiers, spears, chariots, all those things. Their history book says we were overcome, I think it's like 22, something like that, B.C., so powerfully we gave up without a fight. That they exercised, these are their words, they exercised so much power and authority that we just, mm mm-mm, we'll give up. This is where Enoch... Uh, the shepherd kings come over, took over, and they built the pyramid. And they used them as slaves to help build the pyramid. This is their history. This is what they say. The enemy, the, the, the unbeliever, they don't know God. They don't live for God. This is just what they say. You can take that for what it's worth. This is not in the Bible. This is just their history. And as I take that with most history. Uh, I, don't com- I don't trust history as much as I trust this. History's changed all the time. Uh, things that I read in school in history books has been changed since my children read them in books in history, in history books because somebody's always changing something. What will not change is this right here. Amen. Well, not here. Now, we, again, baselines. So Isaiah 19, verse 16. In that day shall Egypt be like unto women, and it shall be afraid and fear because of the shaking of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he shaketh over it. Now, I'm pulling that back to Enoch's day to prove a point. That, again, if they were as powerful as they was in the days of Moses, where he brought Moses and the children of Israel up out of the land of Egypt, which is what he said, a strong right hand. And now right here, Isaiah is confirming it. He said he took and he shook his hand over them. God said, move, let them go. You have a type of that in Enoch's day. And you have a type in a spiritual type right now in your day. We don't have an Egypt. We don't have an actual Babylon trying to come in and take over. You have all those demons out of hell that poured upon you. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with prince and powers of darkness. That's what you wrestle at. So you, you got to keep your fight right. You understand? You're not fighting at your neighbor. You're not fighting at your brother and your sister. You're not fighting at your husband. You're not fighting your wife. You're fighting that demon that's trying to get between brotherly love, sisterly love, whatever it might be. So remember, your enemy's always going to be defeated. You are not defeated. In that day shall Egypt be like unto women. It shall be afraid and fear because of the shaking of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he shaketh over it. The scripture, I think it's Psalms 91, he said he sits over his people as an eagle doth brood over her eggs. You think if he protect them, you think of what he'd do for you. In the land of Judah, verse 17, and the land of Judah shall be a terror unto Egypt. The land of I find this very particular the way it words it this way. Our husband is known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Everybody with me? 
Now, we've spent a lot of time uh, depicting all of the, the genealogies from where you have Judah, work all the way down through uh, Aminadab and Nashon and keep coming down to Boaz to work yourself all the way down to where you have him as the line of the tribe of Judah being born there in whatever that B.C. before it became A.D. when he broke the time and all that was. And the land of Judah shall be a terror unto Egypt. Now, let's pause that right there just a minute. The land of Judah. The land of Judah being, uh, let's pull up to our day. Let's pull it off to our day and say that the line of tribe of Judah has actually has stepped forward and claimed the book and took the seals off and revealed himself and stepped forward in power. Let's just say, for instance, that has happened, that he has stepped down in, in the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and now he sits amongst his people, and she is in that land of Judah, in that heavenly places, now, to the enemy, their, uh, their, their testimony, their report, what they're telling their friends, the, the reports going out in the news, that's a terror unto us. If we were to jump into Joel 2, what your enemy sees when they look at you, it says the appearance of them are as unto horses with chariots of fire, that they run on the mountains, they leap over the walls. There is no way to stop them. Showing no way to defeat them. So shall be a terror. The land of Judah shall be a terror unto Egypt. Everyone that maketh mention thereof shall be afraid in himself. Just making mention. What was Rahab telling uh, the, the spies that she hid in her, in her, in her root? She had told them that, that in all of Jericho there is no courage found. That fear has gripped the heart of every man of war. Gripped the heart of every man of war. That they'll be afraid in himself because, because, am I wondering why this has happened? Of the counsel of the Lord of her hosts, which he hath determined against it. So I'll ask you again, does God got it in control or not? Everything in control. Everything, everything, everything. Verse 18, in that day shall five cities in the land of Egypt speak the language of Canaan and swear to the Lord of hosts, one shall be called the city of destruction. In that day there shall be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar at the border thereof to the Lord. Now right here is where you need to put that picture of the pyramid back up. If you can leave one up. That altar, that pillar, you need to skip down. Verse 19. Probably can't split it. Hold that there in your Bible. Verse 19. In that day, there shall be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar at the border thereof to the Lord. It's talking about Enoch's pyramid. It's a time-tested memorial of what God did. Time. Do you remember the Ram preaching that message? Time-tested memorials. So Satan in our day has done everything he can to prove, to, to, uh, uh, to lie, to, to bluff, to you, any word you feel in here to tell you that God's not real. That if he is real, he don't care about you. That if he does care about you, all he wants to do is burn you. If he does, you understand, that's all these things. Well, I guess, well, if you believe that, we'll give you this. Or if we, you know, trying to make concessions, trying to negotiate with you. No, 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 no. He loves me. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm his choice. I'm the reason there's air. I'm the reason there's air. I'm the reason there's still gravity we're standing on. I am, you are the eternal purpose of God. 
I'm not trying to be pompous. I'm not trying to be arrogant, built up. This is what the word says about you. So don't let Satan say, well, you're just trying to be arrogant and think it's all about you. It's all about you. He said it was. Satan's a liar. Elohim is not a liar. He said it's all about you. In that day, in that day, and there shall be a sign, there shall be for a sign and for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt, for they shall cry unto the Lord because of their oppressors, and he shall send them a Savior and a great one, and he shall deliver them. And the Lord shall be known to Egypt, and the Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day, and shall do sacrifice and oblation. Yea, they shall vow a vow unto the Lord and perform it. Now, in this, you don't just have in um, uh, uh, as far as where you have a type of this where Jesus went when he was leaving. You know, he said, I've called uh, my son out of Egypt. And you have that prophecy where Joseph being called out of Egypt 444 years later. You have that with Jesus went as a young man to Egypt, was brought out of Egypt. But you also have a type in there, even as the millennium in that thousand years reign that even heathen nations around the world will come and pay homage, pay worship, bring sacrifice, bring offering to the Most High, whether they want to or not. You can see that there. It's a proof of it. They should be known. They should be known. They should be known. Now, I'm going to jump back up before we go on to Exodus chapter 2, and I want to read to you Revelation chapter 21, if you'll turn there with me real quick. Can you see yourself in the Word this morning? Revelation chapter 21, verse 22. Revelation chapter 21, verse 22. It helps to be able to see it as I read it. Helps you to be able to understand and, and your brain can track as we go along with auditory and visual. Verse 22, and he said, I saw no temple therein. I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. He's talking about that new city, seeing in Jerusalem. I don't see a temple, and he's telling you now why. Now, this right here is the finished work of what he's doing for you right now on this earth. What, you're, what I'm reading to you was seen by vision. John, he 2,000 years ago, was brought up not just to our day. He was brought past now for what he's seeing. This was brought past to see that finished work. And he goes back, and, and it's interesting. Even as John is being told, write this, write this, don't write that. Write this, write this, don't write that. And even tells him, seal that up, John. John was a bride, a type of the bride, a member of the bride. But John, when he left there, had to go all the way back to 2,000 years ago, live out his life there. He was not allowed to be deposited right now to 2023. He was, had to go back to there. He said, I was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day, carried forward to your day, to the wrapping up, the, the consummation all of those things, but he was a prophet, a part of the bride, allowed to see those things. Now you go back and you can tell such and such and such and such and stop. This will be revealed later. This will be revealed on those seven seals. So you stop right there. Now you go back and tell them these things, but these other things are hid in those seven seals. John, seal it up. You understand? You read the scripture. John, seal it up. Seal it up. Seal it up. Those things will be hidden under those seven seals. And he said, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Now, you are the temple of the Most High God. You are his tabernacle. You are to be tabernacling deity in you. 
That's who you are. That's what you're meant to be. That's what a living sacrifice looks like. We said this other day, a fully surrendered to God. You are literally Elohim sitting on a pew. You're Elohim riding your car. You're the Lord Jesus Christ going to work. You're the Lord Jesus Christ going to school, going to your home, mowing your yard. It's the Lord Jesus Christ in you. You still feel normal? And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The glory of God and the Lamb is the light thereof. This is you right here. Him indwelling in you, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Again, God kenosing, condensing himself to fit in you. The Lamb is the light thereof. Remember, every scripture that speaks to the groom speaks to the bride. You're meant to be a light set up on a hill, a city set on a hill, shining the bright light of God. You're the fulfillment of this scripture in this world, shining that light. Nobody? It seems heavy, I understand, but it's true. It's nothing but the truth. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. Whose light? Your light. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life. Now, as we've talked about that, um, and I just read this scripture to you. Each one of you here heard my voice read this scripture to you. Now, as John is seeing his name on that book, as John had saw the, the, the line of the tribe of Judah, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and he saw all these things happen. But when he saw his name written on that book, he got very excited. Little bit beside himself, little bit carried away, a little bit fanatical, a little bit over the top. He said, that's my name. That's my name. I see myself right there. So that should evoke a pretty good response in you. That's me. You know, I love our prophet. Our prophet, God had him to be so simple, just so simple. And he tells a story, and, and I, I'll take this before I go so far. I heard Brother Wayne Lawson say something recently. He said that you won't take a rapture without every parable that the Lord Jesus spoke, that you will not be able to take a rapture without every one of those being fulfilled in your life, without being looked at it. So I went back and looked at every parable, not every parable, a lot of the parables, and looking at them. And when you take a different look through the eyes of a rapture and a communion and a marriage with the Lord Jesus Christ, it opens that up to you like you never dreamed possible. Never dreamed possible. But the Lamb's Book of Life, where your name is indelibly inscribed, cannot be removed. You see that. You see who you are. See who bought you. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. I, I think I can get just about to a point here in a few minutes where we can stop it for today. Exodus chapter 3. I'm trying not to omit too many things. I got, I got a lot I want to get across to you. And I don't want to, like I said, I get, I get real carried away sometimes and I don't want to blow over something that mean a lot to you. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. 
Now, you, you understand that this would, be, uh, um, this would be God's calling of Moses. Now, Moses is, at this point, uh, 120, 80 years old. He's 80 years old. Uh, he had been 40 years in Egypt. For 40 years, he had been trained by everything they could teach him. He would have been very, very smart. He'd have been high up. He'd have been right under Pharaoh. He probably would have been the one guy that meant to take over for Pharaoh. Wouldn't be a hard stretch to understand that. So he had 40 years of that. He had been told by his mom and by his dad that you will be a deliverer. You're meant to be a savior of this people. We've just read some old scriptures that talked about this savior that takes care of that uh, that that attribute of that prophecy there and now he has all these things in his mind he tries to jump out there in his flesh and he falls flat on his face and kills a man he falls flat on his face i'm trying to do something for god and i kill somebody now again another simple little type but brown used to tell a story about a man that went to was trying to get a job with i can't remember what company it was but he goes to fill out the application. He's sitting in front of the owner of the company. And the owner happens to notice that he has no eraser on his pencil. And as he asked him, he said, what happened to your eraser on your pencil? He said, did it fall off? Did you use it up? What happened? He said, I don't have erasers on my pencil. He's like, what? He said, I don't let erasers be on my pencil. He says, I don't make mistakes. And he said, sir, you need to go on. I can't use you. And he said, because if you won't try nothing, you, he said, if you ain't willing to make a mistake, you won't even try nothing. Anybody that's going to try to do something for the Lord, you're going to fall on your face. It's, a, it's, it's not something that you just jump into overnight. Now, today I'm just normal old Glenn Webster, and then tomorrow I'm the Lord Jesus Christ creating fish and you know, growing bread back out. You, you don't just do that. It's, it's a here a little, there a little. I made a mistake, Lord. He corrected me back up. I walked a little more. He corrected me. He's the kind shepherd that leads me. That kind shepherd walks alone. Come on, get back on path. Get back on line. Get back on line. Stay in line. He has prophets screaming out, stay in line. Stay in line. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So he, God is now calling him, and he's telling him his purpose. Not the purpose that he thought to be some great big man in Egypt. Not the purpose to be right under Pharaoh. That was not his purpose. He was the man to walk in there as vulnerable, as simple, as homely, as weak as possibly could be. Now, we sang earlier that song, Let the weak say that I'm strong. Let the poor say that I am rich. Now, as I was thinking about that, and again, we're sitting here. <clears throat> as we were talking to the different people about buying this church, and the very first day I met the brother and, and talked to him, I, I, I say this jokingly, just to try to you know, kind of break the ice and just kind of fill things out, but I always tell him, you know, we're very, very poor people. Very, very poor people. And I say that jokingly. We're not, we're not starving. We're not scraping. I don't, you understand what I'm saying? But, but as far as a current walk, current things right now, we wouldn't be able to jump into a $14,000 a month note. And, and I say that number because I know someone who had one. There's other people that have $5,000 a month notes to buy a building, to buy a property. We don't have those kind of ability. We don't have the, as far as what comes in, we don't have the ability to do a 1000 a month note. That would be too much with all the other utilities and everything else that goes with it. But God, in his purpose, he knows where we're at. And again, I shared that with you. Bethany was standing about right there that first Monday night and said, I want that price to come be back so low that we ain't even got to borrow money to buy it. And I was standing right there and I said, I don't think that's possible. I said, I don't think it's possible. And you see what God did to me. It was possible. It was possible. But this is what God can do. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You got to keep all that in mind when you think about who we're talking about right now. All those things. So he's telling Moses right here now, verse 11, chapter 3, verse 11. Moses has said unto God, who am I? 
that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly, again, that's not, you know, if we meet up later in Egypt, if I swing by, if nothing else happens, if, if I'm, you know, just got nothing else to do, I'll, I'll swing by Egypt, see how you're doing. No, he said, I'll go with you. And he doesn't just say, you know, what's so? No, he said, certainly. You can guarantee it. You can take this to bank, to the bank. You can stack everything you've got on this. He says, certainly, I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. As, now, okay, if, if that was his end goal, in that one uh, application of a job to do for the Lord. Moses, you go get them and you bring them back right here. Moses said, okay, so what's going to happen along the way? Well, the, the, the finish go, the end go, you know, you're not really walking toward a rapture. You're, you've got something else you're doing. So you're going to come right here. This is your end go. Okay, so I'm going to go get them and then we're just going to kind of show up here. No, 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 I'll be with you every single step of the way. Amen. I'll lead you by fire. I'll lead you by cloud. It will be me and none other. He said, and this will be a token unto thee that I've sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this holy mountain. Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, because again, he was still just Moses. He just normal, normal, ordinary old Moses who said he was a good looking guy first. Maybe a little bit puffed up. I don't know. He's human too. Good-looking guy. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. They shall say unto me, What is his name? What is his name? What shall I say unto them? When they asked me, What is your name? He's looking at the burning bush of fire. What's your name? Did I tell him the burning bush of fire sent me? The burning No. In that dispensation, in that time, he told them, you tell them that I am, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Now, why would it be worried, worded that I am? Is Moses standing there and there's a plaque on the ground that says, I am. He got the Bible. You know, the, the, the Ten Commandments weren't written yet. This Bible had not been written yet, had been pinned down yet. He's not sitting there, and you know, Moses is standing at a bush of fire. He's got his shoes off, standing there, the Bible's open, and he's pointing to Genesis 1. I am that I am. No? No. He's telling him, I am that I am that created all that there is and all that ever will be. And then Moses is like, okay, that's cleared up. I understand. No more question. Check. Done. Boxes clicked. I know who I'm talking about now. You are the, 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 there's none higher. There's none greater. There's none better. There's none sweeter. There's no one merciful. There's no more redemption. There's none like him. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, again, I said dispensation, or this would be Elohim, or, or, you know, this is before the name the Lord Jesus Christ was given. And the scripture is very clear about the provision of that name. He said, then I am hath sent me unto you. God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial unto all generations. Now, I heard a brother say this recently. And if you look at what God, because this is God speaking, right? We just read God's words to you out of a burning bush of fire. He said, you tell them, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel. No, that's not what he said. He said, the God of Jacob. 
Now, if you fast forward over into, I think it's Kings, where Elijah is standing before those unbelieving, uh, 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 unbelieving prophets of Baal that are worshiping Baal, and he tells them, he said, this God, that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, he's not telling the enemy what Jacob's faults and flaws were. He's not bringing, that's all clean. That's all washed. That's all forgiven. But he's telling Moses the reason why God would call him this. That God would say, again, this is the voice of God speaking out of a burning bush of fire. Everybody understand where we're at? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jacob had his pineal. Jacob had his pineal. And at pineal, he became a different person. He had to have a name change because he was no longer Jacob. Jacob died. Jacob died right there. He was dead man. He has to have a new name. Whatever come up is not Jacob no more. Now he is called Israel. Who said that? God said that. It wasn't God saying, or uh, Jacob's like, well, I'm calling myself Israel. No, God said, I call you Israel. But right now he's telling Moses, I know you made mistakes. I know you struggled. I know you fell flat on your face. I know you messed up and killed a man. I know all those things. He said, but I am the God that forgives every mistake. I make those things right. I am a redeemer. There's nothing that's too far. He said, I will restore you. And he proved it. He proved it. Go and gather the elders of verse 16. Go and gather the elders of Israel together. Say unto them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, appear unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I, I reckon we'll stop, uh, we'll kind of just kind of pause right here. We had musicians come, and I'll kind of just tighten this up a little bit. He said, bringing you out of this. Now, the, the land of Canaan is not, the, is not heaven. The land of Canaan does not type heaven to a believer. It does not type that new city to a believer. It's a type of the Holy Ghost. You understand? Bringing you out of those. We're told to come out of her. Come out of her and come into me. Come out of her. Come out of Babylon. Come out of all those things, those unclean fornications, lying, heresies, abominable things. Come out of that. Come into me. Now, you'll come out of the Hizzites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Hittites. The Can- come out of all those things and come into me. You have to leave all of that. You have to die out of that and walk into him. That's the beginning of your body change. That's now it's starting to get real. Now you're starting to even notice a difference in yourself. Yes, you might still struggle. Yes, you might still have things that you might trip up on, but you're noticing a difference in your walk with the Lord. You're not the same person you was a year ago. You're not the same person you was two years ago. I'm different, and the difference is him. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's sing that song, What a Mighty God We Serve. What a mighty today, God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Oh, angels bow before heaven and earth. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve.
stood by me in the darkest night. Said, sweet child of mine, everything is all right. You're never alone. We'll make it on home for I believe God. Life's past, there'll be storms to face. But we're going to make it by amazing grace. Think good for each mile. Oh, good for every trial that I've gone through. To God's mighty hand. And I know one day I'll reach that strand. When I reach the other shore, going to shout it once more. For I believe God. Oh, I believe God. When the lightning is flashing, I believe God. When the thunder is crashing, I believe God. be storms to face, but we're gonna make it by amazing gates. It's been good for each mile, oh, good for every trial that I've gone through. I keep holding to God's mighty hand, and I know one day I'll reach heaven's strand. When I reach the other shore, I'm gonna shout it once more for Said, sweet child of mine, everything is all right. You're never alone. We'll make it on home for I believe God. We're never alone. We'll make it on home for I believe God. Hallelujah. 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 Let's bow our heads this morning. Great and awesome and mighty God. Precious Lord Jesus Christ, Rose of Sharon, Lily of the Valley, fairer than ten thousands. Lord, we love you this morning. What a what a love story that you've laid out for your people. Lord, what sweet, wonderful uh, secrets of love that you breathe into your bride's ears this morning, Lord. Oh, we appreciate you, Lord God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for such amazing divine mercy, Lord, not one of us are worthy of. We love you. We adore you, Lord. We appreciate you today. I pray that you'll take these words, Lord, and help us to meditate upon them, Lord. Let us just kind of keep mulling them over and over and over and, until we come to the, the most strongest conclusion, until we can nail a post down in the dirt. I believe this is what he has for me. I believe this has been his purpose. I believe this has been his will. I believe this has been his desire for me since before the foundation of the world. Lord, let it become very real to each one of us this morning, Lord. Take these words, quicken them to our hearts. How we appreciate you, Lord God. We thank you for your Holy Ghost, Lord, that you still give wisdom, understanding, and revelation in the knowledge of you. 
Make us more like you, we pray. We surrender and submit all that we are. We lay ourselves on the altar of your sacrifice and we pray that you might have your way in us. Lord, touch those among us that that are needing a healing touch, Lord, for you are still our healer and by your stripes we are healed. We claim that. We believe that you've sent your word and healed every single one of our diseases. Let us grab hold of that with everything that is in us and let us say that's me, that's mine, that's got my name all over it. Lord, have your way. Bless our brothers and sisters as we go our separate ways. Lord, bring us back here on Wednesday night, Lord, with a closer walk with you, more of a a testimony that through this week I've watched him move, I've watched him meet my need, i felt him draw me near. Lord, have your way in our lives. We surrender all that we are and we love you so very much. Bless us, we pray, in your lovely, lovely name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. God bless you. Appreciate the Lord. Appreciate his word. I believe God. One more time. Oh, I believe God. For the lightning is flashing. I believe God. When the thunder is crashing. I believe God. When the storm is all past. We'll reach the other side safe at last. For the Lord's about me in the darkest night. Since we child of mine, everything is alright.